This is Hair Therapy, cultivating the conversation around hair and scalp health. I am Kate, your host, and as a hairdresser, educator, and a trichologist, I am obsessed with all things hair. Whether you're interested in optimum hair and scalp health or have a hair or scalp condition, we have expert guests who are specialists in their field on a variety of different treatments and solutions, along with inspiring real-life stories. Perhaps you're looking to support someone who's had a hair or scalp concern, or you're a hairdresser who would like to know how to better support their clients. I am here to provide knowledge and information to help. Think of this as your very own audio resource library for you to pick and choose what is useful to you. I'm so glad you're listening today. Let's navigate hair health together to learn and grow. So welcome everyone. Thanks for listening today. My guest is coming to you today all the way from Adelaide in Australia. I have Caitlin James with me from SMP Australia. So she started the business seven years ago and she's here today to discuss a different angle around scalp micropigmentation and how it can be used to support other hair loss services and treatments such as hair transplant. So welcome, Caitlin James. Thank you so much for joining me today. No worries, Kate. Thanks for having me. So do you want to tell me a little bit more about yourself? How did you get into this kind of business? How did you set it up? Mm-hmm. Excellent. So um, first of all, I started off as a beauty therapist um, back in the day. And while I enjoyed beauty treatments, I was always quite interested in the more aesthetic side of treatments in terms of, you know, making real changes for people. And that kind of led me more towards the medical side of beauty. I started working after a few years in a cosmetic day surgery, which offered hair transplant procedures. So while I was still doing more medical beauty in this business, they asked if I wanted to learn how to be a scout in theatre and learn hair transplant assisting. So I sort of worked my way in and got some experience there, which um, I really found that that was quite exciting and different from everything else I had been doing up until that point. Yeah. So I found myself a position in another day surgery, which was a bit bigger. The hair transplant surgeon there had been involved in hair transplant restoration surgery procedures since its beginning in the 1970s. And so from there, I worked alongside him for 10 years and worked as a hair transplant assistant there, ran the day surgery for the hair transplanting for a little while, loved it. And while under his mentorship, I guess you could call it there, working for him, I just passively learned so much information about hair transplants Um, and how, you know, they have evolved over time from the early scalp reduction procedures, Mm. surgical hairline advancements, and right through to what we currently know as the micrografting, the FUE procedures, which are far more common these days. So um, from there, he was thinking of retiring. He was heading towards the end of his sort of career, which he's actually still going, but he said, you know, is there anything that you wanted to learn or do after working with him if he was looking to retire in the next five years? And I had seen this overseas at a conference in Alaska and thought, well, it combines my beauty training as well as everything that I've just learned for the last 10 years. I didn't want to give that away. And so I feel like this is just the perfect position for me where I'm using my cosmetic tattooing, but 
also now combining that with all the hair transplant knowledge that I have to now combine the two treatments together. Now working on the other side of people having hair transplants where they're looking for more density um, or maybe camouflaging some scarring, I can still work on everything that I'd learned up to this point wrapped into one great little treatment, which has now sort of Mm -hmm. in the last couple of years, especially here in Australia, gone berserk. So yeah, that's just a little bit about me and that's where I've been. In the last seven years, I've been doing scalp micropigmentation and the business has grown quite a lot. So we now have locations, you know, in Melbourne, two in Sydney and one in Brisbane here in Australia. So there's a real need for this treatment to combine and, and help all the other hair loss treatments that are out there. Amazing. Yeah, so that's really grown quite a lot, hasn't it? So that must be really... Sure has. Yeah. So you mentioned before... I just wanted to ask you this because I kind of went, oh, when they first started doing hair transplants, was that all they did then, a hairline reduction surgery? Well, they call it hair restoration surgery. So it's called scalp reductions, which is not just one surgical procedure. It's a number of surgical procedures to physically remove the balding area, the area of the scalp that responds to male pattern baldness or DHT has an effect on those hair follicles. So do they cut that out? They cut a bit out and move the hair forwards? Yep. So either if we're bringing a hairline down or up, depending on what's happening there, it's physically removing tissue and bringing the hairline down or up. Wow. Um, And same with the scalp reductions. We're literally moving the hair from the sides of the head upwards. Wow. So this becomes more sparse and you end up with scarring down the centre, which is then polished off with doing some micrografting through that area. That's a far less common procedure these days. We feel like that's quite major surgery, which, you know, there is always looking for a need to evolve. And so now with the micrografting, it tends to have now replaced that because there's far less risk of infection, far less traumatic for the client or patient. So the micrografting is just the evolution of sort of the early restoration procedures yeah because now knowing that I know that we can literally move each hair individually Mm -hmm. it does seem like a lot that that's just what they used to do to just kind of basically remove a whole panel of forehead and Mm. move your scalp around yeah but that's interesting that that was how it had started Mm -hmm. and I suppose again with that You don't think, do you, if you're going to have surgery, maybe along quite a visible area, you will probably get scarring from that or a line. So it's not faultless, is it? That's right. And as time goes on and someone continues to thin and lose more hair, these scars become more apparent because they're no longer covered with a thick, lush, you know, hair around it. Mm. The hairs can thin out and fall out and scars become more revealed a lot of these earlier hair restoration procedures the clients end up under a either a toupee or a wig before scalp micropigmentation was around that was the common practice if someone wanted to cover up you know some scarring that they might have on their scalp Mm. they really just had to move to going towards some sort of a hair system or a hair piece to cover Mm. so relating that back to scalp micropigmentation that in itself is not always the end of the story because as someone heads towards the ages of 50, 60, 70, they 
either outgrow the piece, they don't like the look of it anymore, it looks too useful for them, there's only so much they can thin out these hair pieces. Yeah. Maybe the colours or the maintenance might be, you know, slowing down the person or activities. Mm. They may wish to then, you know, go on a more retiree lifestyle and, and travel and swim and things like that. And that golf sometimes exactly have their limitations to wearing a hair system. And so they look for what else is out there. And um, like one of the questions that you may have wanted to cover, you talked about, you know, sharing a story. Hmm. And this is exactly where, you know, one of my clients has come from. He had scalp reduction surgery. He had the micrografting on top of it. His natural hair continued to thin and fall. He went under a hairpiece. And then he's at this stage in his life where he just doesn't want to have a wig anymore and he wants to, you know, go down the beach with his granddaughter and play in the water. And up until this point, everyone thought he actually just couldn't swim. <laughs> no, he, he didn't like going, you know, in the water, but it was because he didn't want to get caught out with this hair piece. Uh. And so, you know, he decided to brave and shave and go down real short and we created the look of a full head of shaven hair for him and camouflaged out all the scalp scars that he had, not just from the scalp productions, but also from taking what little hair he had remaining at the back for micrografting, he had lots of speckled FUE scarring through there. So camouflaging all of that out for him. And now he looks like he's got a full head of shaven hair as a cool grandpa. Like he absolutely loves it. So this is just something that's now pretty well maintenance free. Mm. You know, every three to five years, he might look at redarkening it, but because he is that older, more mature male, you know, he doesn't need an overly dark result anyway. So this has really just kind of ticked all the boxes for him for where he's at in his life and what he was looking to get out of it. Oh. And, um, and yeah, this is where he's at. But it also seems like a real shame to have to go through all the pain and the trauma and the maintenance of surgery and everything that comes with that and then still end up having to wear a hair system Mm. and that's why I think the evolution of these procedures is always heading in the right direction yeah it's no longer the common practice to perform those because we know the benefits of doing minor surgery hair transplant surgery where the risk of infection is far less and the swelling and the trauma on the skin and we're not cutting out pieces of scalp anymore you know it is literally small surgery it's still day surgery but it's smaller compared to the old restoration procedures so Mm. I think the guys this day and age who are looking at hair transplant surgeries are in a far better position than those back in the 70s and 80s where the, Mm. the options were more limited And it definitely, I think, is becoming a lot more kind of accessible and Mm -hmm. you can literally go in and have a hair transplant in a day and then leave, can't you? We'll be back after a quick break. Are you a professional in the hair industry? Do you feel confident addressing clients' concerns around the hair and scalp? Would you know what to do if your client began experiencing hair loss or had to go for chemo? Would you like to support your clients mentally and physically through troubling conditions such as hair loss? The Hair Therapy Hair and Scalp Salon Specialist course will make you a standout industry expert, enabling you to navigate these difficult conversations and elevate your level of client care making all your clients feel well looked after and in the hands of a knowledgeable expert. This one-day unique insight into the world of trichology 
will help you raise your standing within the community and offer your clients more. For more information, visit my website or check the link in the show notes. Let's get on with today's episode. Absolutely. And people travel as well for this. This is not something that you might just find in your own country. This is something that the internet has changed for us so much in the last 15 years. You know, since working in the day surgery, I remember people used to ring and they used to want to make a consultation because they wanted to find out about procedures. These days, there is so much information on the internet. You have such a wealth of knowledge of about every single surgeon and what kind of results they specialize in. You can now travel to wherever you want to go and you mm. um, are basically now ringing to make an appointment to interview that surgeon to make sure they're the right person for you, not so much about how does this procedure happen. Mm. It's more about choosing the right person for you. The internet has changed so much about the wealth of information available for clients. They really are much better informed these days because everyone is sharing so much information. And I think in a way it's kind of helped with the bad transplants as well because you can see people's work like the same with you with the SMP. You can put your photos on Instagram and people can see what kind of work you're producing, whether they think that's the kind of look that they want. Mm -hmm. And in a way, hopefully, it's going to help people realise that actually you can't just go somewhere cheap and get it done really badly Mm -hmm. and they can see the difference in why they might have to research. And like you say, then they're probably ringing them saying, right, Mm -hmm. how are you qualified? How long have you been doing this? What have you been doing can you do this yeah and have that bit more knowledge rather than just turning up somewhere and kind of hoping that it's going to kind of look okay at the end of it absolutely and forums as well have changed space as well so there's so many forums available where you can go on and find the right practitioner for you who might specialize in a certain type of transplant you know body hair transplant if you're you know got a low mm-hmm. donor or like ourselves like we specialize mainly in scalp micropigmentation for soft natural effects, not a hard Mm -hmm. edged up hairline. That's not really our specialty. We've more specialised in the soft natural effects of scalp micropigmentation. So the internet really forums that are available have changed um, really for the benefit of the client. Mm. And you're lucky that you've also got that unique experience behind you of being able to support the hair transplants. Because I'd imagine that a lot of people that have trained in SMP, they won't have covered so much or have so much experience with specific scarring areas Mm. or know how to deal with where people have had surgery on their scalp or scars or problems. Yeah, absolutely. And it's important that, you know, the two always work well together. You know, one is not replacing the other. There's still a need for transplants because plenty of people still, the goal is to have hair and that's everything for them. So Mm. many people still go down the path of having transplants and just know that we are here to put the icing on the cake as such. So we can make the hair transplants appear much thicker and fuller and we can camouflage out all the scarring at the back as well to an extent we can camouflage it quite well for most, just depending on you know how much of the, the donor area has been taken with the transplant. Sometimes the transplanted area at the back of the scalp, the donor area can be over-harvested and that can leave you know the areas quite patchy and bald and uneven. So we can certainly help correct that and camouflage that as best as possible, as well as just 
helping the guys be a bit more flexible with the hairstyles that they choose too because while FUE scarring is quite small, you can still limit some clients doing a skin fade or, you know, the short haircuts if there's a lot of donor being taken because they just have low density. Mm-hmm. So camouflaging all the scarring out, even though it's small scarring, you know, with the scalp micropigmentation, it can always look much thicker and fuller and hide the evidence of the surgery. Interesting. You said about with the SMP, they might have to come back every three to five years. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people don't realise as well that even with the hair transplants, you may have to have more than one. And sometimes the hair still will naturally thin over time, won't it? So Mm. again, they might have a hair transplant and it might be really thick. And then five, eight, ten years down the line, Mm -hmm. they might have lost that bit of density. So even then, that might be time where they come to you and kind of go, well, I've still got hair, but it's not as thick as it was yeah and then you can make it look a bit thicker yeah so obviously with the guys with the transplant the goal is always to have hair so they may be on medications to support the hair growth mm-hmm. and to slow down further loss but those medications may not always be right for somebody so you know they might come off the medications and then unfortunately lose the natural hair in the area and have the transplants there remaining It's important with scalp micropigmentation that we always talk about a five-year plan. What's your plan for the next five years? How do you want to wear this? You know, do you consider shaving in the future? Because ideally, it's always best to try and create that shaven head of hair look under the long hair. Mm -hmm. So you're not creating a further problem for the person. You can't just fill out the scalp and make it as dark as possible, even though that might be what the client wants, because you always have to imagine what's this going to look like if a client might happen to need to shave for surgery or, you know, that change of lifestyle or just a change of style comes into fashion, you can't leave them with a problem. Otherwise, they're going to have to go down the path of having laser tattoo removal. So the idea is to always create a nice thick look of shaven hair underneath the long hair and always leave some skin remaining. And do you find that the sun in Australia reduces longevity of the treatment? It can do. We have such a mixed bag of people out here. We're very multicultural. So it does depend on the person's skin, how much exposure they have and their natural ability to maybe, you know, move that product with their own natural body's immune system, the macrophages in the skin gobbling up our colour. But the sun does have an effect and, you know, certainly in our um, Brisbane location up there with Anita, you know, there is a lot more skin damaged people up there. So lots of freckling and pigmentation, thick skins up there, whereas down here in the south and we're a city that takes a lot of migrants. So, you know, we have a very multicultural city down here in Adelaide. So my scope of practice is very interesting. I have many different types of skins and skin types to work with down here but our sun doesn't tend to be quite as harsh. But because we have some people from the UK and they've got very soft white skin and they don't handle the sun that well, you know, they'll burn and they will move the product quicker. (laughs) Yes, very pale. Australia is such a big country here. But, yeah, I do find that when we compare our results on a whole to those over in the UK where SMP kind of originated, there is a difference. We find that we are touching up around year three, year four, whereas I know, you know, a friend of mine, Paul Clark, he touches up up to year five. And I think that's just purely sun and how much the countries do vary. Mm. But even like you said, I know it's very general, but you guys probably are in the water a lot more and at the beach and yeah. out, you know, and even swimming, I'd imagine, eventually will kind of help to fade it a little bit, won't it? Anything like that will yeah. kind of 
sun and burning and your own body's natural immune system, how oily the skin is, they're the main things that we look at with the longevity of the treatment. I feel like Aussies on a whole are pretty good with their sunblock. So, Mm -hmm. you know, SVF 50 plus is our friend out here. And it is drummed into you from like school, isn't it really? So Absolutely. Yeah, kids can't play without a hat. (laughs) It's absolutely right. Oh, amazing. So you have also done talks at conferences about how SMP can be used alongside hair transplants. That's right. Yeah, so it tends to be quite a popular topic because practitioners want to know the best way to and when to apply scalp micropigmentation around the transplant. Should it be done before or after? How soon before and after? So, yeah, the talks have been asked quite a few times. I've been very fortunate to be very involved in the SMP community, educating at these conferences, the best way to apply both together to work hand in hand rather against each other. But I think that's really good as well, because as a trichologist, again, I think it's really important. And everyone that does these little areas, we really do have to have a kind of network of people with other complementary services. And we really do need to all kind of communicate on what is out there and how this could all help. Mm-hmm. And it's really important because even if a hair transplant surgeon knows nothing about scalp micropigmentation, mm-hmm. if they know when's best to do it or not to do it or who they can count on that they could refer their client to, they're still going to seem like that expert to the client. It's not about knowing everything about every single procedure you can have, but knowing who to signpost that person to so that you can then further support them, I think is really important. Absolutely. And we do find at these conferences that scalp micropigmentation still being a fairly new specialty. Mm. It sort of came around 2011 mainstream in the UK. And we do find at these conferences, you just find so many different backgrounds from people. People have stepped into this industry from so many different fields. And it's so great at these conferences to network. That's when I tend to find I learn the most is, you know, at the networking side of things and not so much at the lectures, but the networking side of things, that's when you learn most and make the best connections and friends worldwide. So the scalp micropigmentation industry itself has some great conferences now to go to. When I first sort of stepped into SMP back in 2015, the first conference I think we had was in 2017, so a little while after, and and it was just so great to get everyone in the room. Team Micro put on a great conference that year in um, Leeds in the UK, and it just got us all together and chatting and talking, and the industry has just grown so much since then. Yeah, it's really exciting. You've obviously you've come into it at quite a really good time, haven't you, for it to grow and take the yeah. lead. Wasn't the first, but I've been sort of around long enough to have watched it gone from something quite small to um just gone berserk. It's mm. it's um I think now with more time behind the treatment, we can see how the predictability of it has changed. Mm. Safe treatments have become more mainstream. There's not as much a trial and error. So when treatments become more predictable and safe, that's when things really take off and everyone tends to, you know, be really confident with their treatments and the marketing mm. sort of reflects that and how many clinics are now open worldwide definitely reflects that. 
And I think that's the thing as well, isn't it? Because so many more people are having cosmetic treatments for whatever reasons, be it for actual medical reasons or for just vanity reasons. So many people now you can pop in in a day and get fillers, Botox, microblading, lashes, whatever you want. And Mm-hmm. For guys before, it literally was kind of really heavy hair transplant surgery or a hair system wig. And that was kind of it. And there wasn't really anything in between. That was easy access that you can just go and get done. You know, it doesn't even really hurt. You just got to sit there for a few hours and then it makes a massive difference. So it's really nice, I think, for guys, if they want to have these more accessible non-invasive treatments that actually can be really effective absolutely and I think so many people are looking at maybe stopping medications or maybe not doing big surgeries they are looking for something that they know Mm. will work tattooing can't not work so you know it does tick the boxes for many it's certainly not the first thing people should try Mm. they should definitely research and maybe talk to a GP about their hair loss first options absolutely um or maybe go down the natural path first it is a permanent procedure so it's not usually the first thing that someone would jump to Mm. and a good practitioner will sort of recommend doing their due diligence first before stepping into SMP and certainly transplants is not the first either it's actually one of the last things you should try you should try and exhaust everything else that is low-key maintenance um even cost yeah factor for many younger clients And so I think now we are sort of heading in that right direction where people are better educated before they turn up. A good scalp micropigmentation artist usually does have a wait list. Mm -hmm. So it's important to do the research because we are not all the same. Yes. Some people are creative and some people aren't. So you really do have to do the research on on the right practitioner for them and take the time stepping into uh, which hair loss option is best for them. Mm. But I do find that with although medication is amazing and it obviously can be really effective, Mm. I think something like minoxidil will only work on about 70% of people anyway. So not everybody will it work on. And that, again, it's a big commitment. People have to then decide, oh, am I going to stop? But it is a big commitment. And I think it's very easy to kind of go, well, we'll just use this or just take this. But it is a lifelong thing unless you change your mind Mm. and it can be really confronting coming off of minoxidil as well Mm. you know seeing the hairs shed that the minoxidil was having an effect for um, can be really scary and that tends to be the time where we start to get people coming for consultation you know because they're seeing the effects of what minoxidil did have and then they're looking to create basically the look of a shaven head of hair to kind of um, just transition from that long hair which isn't staying anymore down to a, a short shaven head of hair which it may just look like they've just gone for a shave. So, yeah. And which, again, I think luckily over the years, especially the last kind of 50 years, even just men being able to shave all their hair off has massively turned around. Uh, you know, there was a time where having a shaved head was for convicts and mm. drug dealers and criminals. Do you know what I mean? And you couldn't go to an office with a shaved head mm-hmm. or even very short hair, you had to have a proper haircut. And now I think there's so much more. If you shave your head, no one even really bats an eyelid, do they? Okay. So it's opened up that whole area 
but like you say with the scalp micropigmentation so it still looks like it's a choice or an option rather than like the only option absolutely Absolutely. And, you know, it can be nice for the guys to have it looking as if it's a choice too. So it can be a confidence thing. A lot of people identify themselves a certain way with a certain look. And when you can't achieve that look because of your hair loss, you know, that in itself can be quite confidence slapping. So to give them back at the forehead of shaven hair, which looks neat and tidy, it can also take away the daily anxiety of looking at their hair and their hair loss. So Mm. once you put the scalp micropigmentation in, you tend to forget about your hair loss. That in itself in today's day and age where we're more concerned about mental health for our guys it can be a great positive Mm. so the industry itself it's a great one to be in that's for sure so exciting well I can't wait to talk to you when you've got like 25 clinics or whatever (laughs) (laughs) we have got a lot of information covered which is great I think we've done a good job yeah it's been fun thank you so much for asking me Oh, I really appreciate you coming on as well. Uh, God knows what time it is for you, but. Oh, it's only 7.30 at night, so this is good. Okay. (laughs) Oh, brilliant. Okay. Uh, Well, lovely. Thank you so much, Caitlin. Have a lovely evening. You too. Enjoy your day. Thank you. Appreciate you. Thank you. Bye. See ya. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Hair Therapy Podcast. Please share this show with anyone who you think might benefit from it. Don't forget to rate, subscribe and review the show. It really helps me grow and reach more people. Until next time.